welcome in everyone to episode 146 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with David. Today we are going to do the wild card recap and division series preview slash predictions. Uh, you'll notice Matt's not here. He's still on vacation with his family, so we told him just go ahead and enjoy that. We'll handle this episode today. And uh David, we had some uh some fun wild card series and uh some fun division series uh, matchups here that we're gonna start happening tomorrow, but uh you know, how you doing and, and what were your overall thoughts on the uh, the wild card week? You know, I first of all, it's Friday night, so we get to have Batflip podcast and drink a beer. So that's always fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the the wild card week, I, I did get to watch a few of the games. Um, we'll talk about some of those bigger moments. Uh, you know, I I guess I we get to this point and now I'm questioning whether we need three game sets. Um, and, and maybe that'll be a good point we can bring up is that it felt like the first game you know completed all the series right and, and i that was kind of the, the vibe i got this week was i watched one very important game and then one that didn't really seem to matter because it felt like the team that was already ahead was just kind of going to win so in each series really so you know maybe it was anticlimactic a little bit this is the shortest series. Now we get into like the traditional major league baseball playoffs. I'm very excited to watch a few of these games. I think they're going, there's going to be some really good matchups before we get started. How are you doing, Damien? I am doing just fine. I mean, doing great. We get to get some, uh, some Dodgers postseason baseball here tomorrow. So I couldn't be more excited about that finally. And, uh, you know, these, this wildcard week was, it was interesting. I mean, I was, really invested in in some of these some of these games that were being played um you know like you said it, it is kind of we do have to kind of look at maybe if the three game wild card series is is really all of that because i mean if we look back to 2020 when we had the first of this kind of format um there was one series that went to three games uh 2021 didn't have that it was back to the single game but then 2022 one series went to three games and then this year, which we'll talk about here, and there's mm-hmm. there's no game threes. So like out of the three years we've done this, we've had two game threes. Um, so I mean that's that's something we'll have to talk about another day. But it is kind of head scratching. It did kind of set the tone for what the uh, what the rest of the the game twos looked like. But um, it was overall a really fun week and uh, excited that we get some uh, some postseason baseball here tomorrow, especially especially some Dodger postseason baseball, because that's always fun. But um, let's go ahead and start by, I guess, just going off the games that were played first here. And that was uh, the Texas and Tampa Bay uh, Rays. They had the early slate on both days. Um, Game one of this series, basically, we can just call that the Jordan Montgomery game. Um, He came in here through seven shutout innings, five strikeouts, 93 pitches, just completely completely looked over matching uh, um over dominant over matching the uh the rays and um that rays offense just they couldn't really get anything going i mean randy rosarena had a couple hits but outside of that it was really really stagnant and the rangers offense um you know they it, were able to scrap some together against tyler glass now i think they got a couple runs off him early but uh you know david what do you think about the the rangers winning the this game one series yeah this one this one went exactly the opposite of how i thought it was going to right the the tampa bay crowd was almost non-existent there was only like nineteen thousand people at a playoff game there it was very um sparse the energy wasn't really in the building and then on top of that you know the rangers very clearly were not phased by losing out on the buy and home field advantage and all of those things i mean that's that was a team on a mission this, you know, I've almost completely flipped my Rangers opinion here because not only is this Rangers team like a, you know, one of those teams that's been, you know, hunting this playoff run for quite some time regarding, you know, their free agent acquisitions of Mar- of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, Nathan Eovaldi, Jacob deGrom, who obviously isn't going to play in the series, but, you know, they've been very aggressive on the trade market, you know, with with the Aroldis Trapman trade with, you know, going and getting Jordan Montgomery and, you know, Montgomery and Eovaldi were absolutely dominant in this series. Um, Evan Carter had like seven hits. So not only do they have these really great, um, you know, free agents, but they have a rookie out here performing at the top level in playoff time when it matters most. 
this Rangers team suddenly kind of feels like one of those teams that you don't want to run into. Um, but they are definitely lacking in that starting pitching depth. And that bullpen was susceptible down the stretch. So their offense had pulled out to such big leads that the bullpen didn't really give it up. But I wonder what's going to happen here as we move forward with a much, you know, maybe even a more potent offense in that Baltimore Orioles offense, whether that this Texas team can kind of keep them at bay. Um, but, you know, with Baltimore's pitching being maybe a little suspect as well, uh, this has the uh, the potential for kind of a high octane series and one where I think, you know, you'll see Jordan Montgomery and, um, and Nathan Eovaldi need to show out again uh, in order to get Texas through. I think they'll need to win those two games in order to make it through. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as, as far as the Texas Tampa series go went, um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, it, I was really, really surprised that they only got 19,000 people there for, for the drop. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you were like, okay, well maybe game one, maybe game two, they'll come out with the energy now that they're down. Like it was the same thing. I think it was like yep. even less. I think they had like 18,000, something like that like it just it really really felt like the rays and like the whole team just didn't feel like it was in the mindset to play this this game like they looked just sluggish i mean it doesn't help that they you know they've lost their two middle infielders they were playing some guys that um, weren't completely healthy either and it's like just it the team really really lacked that and i think it's kind of what I said on our wildcard prediction episode, the Rangers came out fierce. They came out like a team that was pissed off that they lost the division mm-hmm. and basically yep. just, just really, really took it, took that to the raise here. Um, looking forward, like you mentioned the, this Orioles Rangers series, it's probably my favorite series um, of this, the division series around. I am just fine with either of these teams moving on. Um, Texas is really fun. They have a lot of former Dodgers, but the Orioles and that young core that they have brought up and, and the whole vibe around what Camden Yards has done this year. And man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to pick, but um, man, I, I think just something about the way that this Texas offense is clicking right now and having the ability to have, um, you know, Montgomery having Eovaldi and there's, even in a very outside shot that they might have some version of Max Scherzer. Um, he's already, he was supposed to face hitters today. Um, said he looked good and that there's an outside shot that he's going to be listed on the roster. Um, wow. So I don't, I mean, I don't, that's not a, for sure that he's going to be listed on there, but they said there's an outside shot that he might be, might be on the roster and maybe be able to give them something. Um, and if they were to even move on, it sounds like he'll be ready for the championship series, which is a big, big deal for the Rangers there, um, for a team that just looked, you know, really, really good in this division series. Um, but Baltimore's no slouch. I mean, Baltimore's done a lot of good things this year. Adley, Gunner, um, just everything around that. Grayson's looked really good lately. They're just a really, really fun team and watching playoff baseball in Camden Yards. Talk about a team that will have fans show up, that's going to be a place that's going to be packed and rocking. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting, but I, I think I'm going with Texas. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I guess I didn't give my prediction, but I think that's that's fine because I do want to come back to this, the atmosphere's talk, right? Neither of these teams have, have held a postseason game yet because these games are all played in Tampa. So Texas also is going to get to bring the atmosphere as well <laughs> in their two home games in this series. I am I I'm really excited to see what both of these fan bases can bring because this is a Texas team that's going to have some energy around it and let's remember the last like really competitive Texas Rangers team went to the World Series twice lost twice right they that's a fan base that is you know starved for a World Series starved for a, a championship caliber team and you know the way they played against a Rays team that all season we said was one of the strongest in the league you know, that gives me some some big time encouragement. At the same time, you look at what's happened in Baltimore, right, over the last seven years or so. I mean, this has been a team that's actively tanked, you know, that, that has gone out of their way to be, you know, the first or second draft pick every single season. They've accumulated so much talent that it's kind of all come to the, the forefront just this year. And these are going to be some, you know, this is going to be a kind of a 
a make or break series for first or not a make or break series, but like a, a coming of age party for these Baltimore Orioles. Right. You know, I, I really love Grayson Rodriguez. I really love Adley Rutschman. It's going to be so cool to get to see these guys on the, the center stage of playoff baseball. The question for me is, is this, you know, this is obviously the first time. Is it, is it the, the time is the youth and exuberance. Does that, does that matter enough to overcome the more experienced Texas Rangers team, including like world series champion, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, who's been to the playoffs a time or two. Right. You know, like does Nathan Eovaldi, who's won a world series, Max Scherzer, who's, you know, been to the world series and won a world series. Like there, there's a lot of, of veteran presence. Aroldis Chapman, who's won the world series and been to the playoffs a number of times. A lot of players on this Texas team have a lot of experience in this, these positions. The Rays, obviously, you know, they've rotated in so many guys since they last won. Randy was about the only guy who kind of carried over from that original 2020 run. And, you know, this Baltimore team has like nobody who's been to the world, you know, been to the playoffs. So, you know, I'm going to pick with the experience. I'm going to go with the Rangers, but I'm really excited to see how those young kids perform, man. They, they might just shock the world. I, I would not be surprised to see this one go five games. If I was picking the amount of games, like it's going five. And I think, you know, Texas has to upset Baltimore in Baltimore in game five in a big atmosphere game. Uh, I think you're right. I think this is the series of the, of the divisional round because, you know, these are two teams that probably wanted as much as anybody and two fan bases that are going to be, you know, maybe with the next fan base we talk about on the, on the upswing and they're, they're, they're really hungry for success. So I'm, I'm excited for this series. I think it's going to be good, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Rangers uh, hesitantly and like in five games. Yeah. I wouldn't mind being wrong on this one. Like the only thing the Orioles feel like they're a year early here. Right. Um, It feels, I'll tell you what the Orioles feel like if, if they had lost this division to the Rays, it would feel like identical to the 2015 Cubs. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah, it, it's that, and it's it's the fact that you know the John Means isn't back fully healthy. Like Grayson, he's looked good lately, but he doesn't have the full season under his belt. Like it, they they need a, one more starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. They've lost their closer now to Tommy John surgery. They're not even going to have him for next year. It just feels like there's a lot of things that this this Orioles team is just a year away from. Um, yeah. but the season they've had is amazing. I hope that I'm wrong on my prediction of picking the Rangers here. Um, but that's it. Matt, for what it's worth, did pick the Orioles in this one. So uh, if they do move on, he can sit back here mm-hmm. uh, when we do that and laugh at us. So, Oh, for sure. I, I want to note, like, Kyle Bradish is their number one starter in this. Grayson's going game two. So yeah. Kyle Bradish has been really, really strong this season. He has a 283 ERA. Um, he's put out a 327 FIP. He was probably their most valuable starting pitcher. Uh, this season so and you know I think you know you might you'll probably see Kyle I'm guessing Kyle Gibson will come out of the bullpen and then maybe I don't know I don't know whether they'll want Dean Kramer or Kyle Gibson to to start game three Um, and you presume Jack Flaherty starts game four maybe so means probably oh means yeah they're gonna have they have a lot of like guys but they're just how confident are you in some of these guys and that's kind of the biggest reason I, i'm not going to take the orioles and if their starting pitching shows up and shocks me the only one that won't shock me is if grayson delivers i think grayson's a superstar in the making yeah uh so let's jump over to the other american league uh wild card series that we had between the minnesota twins and the toronto blue jays um and game one you know it was kevin gossman versus pablo lopez I feel like it it kind of lived up to what we thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gossman and Lopez were both very, very good. Uh, Gossman got burned twice by Royce Lewis, but outside of that was was really, really good. Pablo Lopez looked really good as well. Um, but really, this story of game one was, was Royce Lewis. First at bat, hit a, hit a two-run homer um, to, to give them the, I believe it was a 2-1 lead at the time. No, it was just yeah, it was it was a 2-0 lead. Two zero lead. Yeah, two yeah. zero lead. Uh, came back in the third, hit another solo homer to give them a three zero lead. Uh, Toronto was able to to score one later in the game, but uh, Minnesota ended up finishing that one out in in game one. And then game two uh, was the uh, the John Schneider decision heard around the world, which I'll let you get into that one. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I 
hate it, but Jose Barrios started oh, and was pitching, was pitching pretty well, but he gave up, uh, you know, a walk in the fourth inning and, and Schneider went out and pulled him instantly. And, Who did you know, walk? I don't remember. Royce Lewis. So Royce, yeah, yeah, you don't blame him for pitching around Royce Lewis, but, you know, that's the heart of the Twins order that's coming up. And ultimately, I think Royce does come around to score. Um, so, but the thing about Barrios is Schneider noticed the, the, the trends of Jose Barrios. And it was like, once he faced the order, the one time through, if he had it, the second time through was also good in the, you know, and then he was able to get through six innings. If he didn't have it, he would immediately like his last two starts. He immediately gave up runs in that inning, right? In that fourth inning, second time through the order. Um, and that was a game, you know, they can't afford giving up runs, but ultimately that's just a, it's a tough decision, right? You know, you're, you're trying to rely on your big money starting pitcher or trying to win the game. You know, if Barrios goes in and gives up a home run to Carlos Correa in that instance, you know, then everybody goes, why didn't you pull Jose Barrios? But ultimately it felt a little early, right? And I don't think that's the reason they lost the game. I think there's a much bigger blunder in this game where Vlad Guerrero Jr. is on second base and Bo Bichette's at the plate in a 3-2 count and Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets picked off um, with runners on second and third and two outs. I, I think that's a far bigger blunder than the Barrios thing because ultimately they the Blue Jays team does hold the Twins to two runs, but the offense doesn't score. And Sonny Gray looks electric in this game. And Joan Duran closes it down. The the Twins bullpen was really really solid all throughout the this series. And you know, I I was just the thing I was most impressed with, aside from these kind of blunders, which I'll kind of let you go give me the other side of, is the Twins fan base. Man, they packed out the stadium. It was absolutely an electric atmosphere. It was night and day compared to the Rays stadium, where the home team almost felt like it didn't have an advantage. I mean. The the twins were just a, another level there. I mean, Minnesota's fan base showed up hoping for to see finally, right, to break this twenty year playoff series, playoff game curse. They showed up and it happened. And I feel great for the Minnesota fans. And you know, that's a that was a really cool series because it was a you know something that that, that whole group has been do- longing for and dying for. And um, you know, they finally got there. So. You know, my hat's off, and we'll see what they do in the next series. Yeah, they don't have the the nineteen year curse hanging over them anymore. Um, but a couple things. So in the first game, there was I think there was a big blunder by Bo Bichette in that game. It was a great play by Carlos Correa. Yeah, that they were. It was I believe they were. It was three to one at that time. Um, I think it was what the end the final score ended up being. Um, but there was first and second, two out. Uh, they somebody hit a chopper right towards um, the third baseman. It went under the third baseman's glove. Bichette was running to third. Decided he wanted to try and go home to score. Correa made it. A, I mean, it was a unbelievable play that Correa made, coming barehanding, throwing the ball like directly on target off of one foot to get Bichette at the plate. Yeah. I hated that because you would have had the bases loaded with two outs and Matt Chapman coming to the plate. Now Matt Chapman has struggled like a lot in the second half of the year but the game changing ability of power that he has to be able to flip to quickly flip that game on its head i would have much rather had that that try and play out than get it make it a three two game there with runners on first and second and two outs still like it doesn't really do much for you in that aspect um, so I hated that that play happened. It ended up flipping the whole energy of that inning, or basically ended that inning and just fueled that Minnesota crowd um, to the point where they ended winning that one. The Barrios thing, I absolutely hate it. I was watching that game. That was the best Jose Barrios I've seen a lot this year, and I've watched a lot of his starts. Mm-hmm. Um, he was looking absolutely like he, he had some of the best stuff he's had. And also, this was... a not a really a revenge game for Barrios, but the twins traded Barrios away. I think this was his first start back in Minnesota since he got traded and he always loved pitching here. And the way they, like they kind of teased this move after the first inning. So 
Correa's through the first inning. They immediately got Kikuchi up in the bullpen, like immediately. And like they even showed like Barrios like in the dugout, like kind of like what's going on here. So he goes back out. He three innings, five strikeouts. Um, he walked around Royce Lewis, which I don't mind at all. And the fact, the only reason that John Schneider made this move is they were talking about it is because they had one lefty coming up right there, right? And the twins were going to pinch hit the next two people for right-handers. So he wanted the matchup of getting the right-handers into the game um, as soon as possible for the twins so that it, he felt like it would be a better matchup for his team in the back half of the game. But what you did is you pretty much took all of the energy away from your team at that moment because immediately it was the lefty, I think it was Max Kepler, immediately got a hit. It was a single. And then you had, I believe it was, was Donovan Solano? The it was one Donovan Solano. He walks. He, he walks. Yep. And then Correa, yeah. Correa, I believe it was Correa? Correa singles. Correa singles, yep. two runs score. Those are the two runs that you lose the game by. It was all all happened in that inning. And it was all because you wanted to get the right-handers in the game right away because you felt you would have a better matchup later on. But your starter's out there. He pitches around the guy who killed you in the first game. So, like, I don't mind him pitching around that at all. And he had some of the best stuff in there. He was only at 47 pitches. Mm -hmm. And you come out and take him and bring out a guy, Kikuchi, who's really struggled as of late because you feel like you might have a better matchup there. But it's like you just everyone on the like the Blue Jays even said like they hated that move, like it yeah. it just took all their wind out of their sails right there, and it gave all the energy to Minnesota right there because once they had that lead, the crowd like thought, hey, this is legitimately a chance, like they felt like it was a chance, and they just shut them down. And the Blue Jays' offense from that point, like mind you, it was I think the next inning, the next time the Blue Jays got up, I believe is when Vlad Jr. made that error. It was either right. that one or the next inning. And it's like they were already in this mindset of like that. It, I just – I absolutely hated the move at that moment. Like let's say you're in the sixth inning and he walks Royce Lewis at that point. Okay, fine. You know, if it's two innings later and he's up there in 80 pitches, 85 pitches, all right, fine. But to do it in the fourth inning when he's looked that good so far, I hated that move. Hated it. I gotcha. I all right, so, well, I mean, let's look ahead, right? So the Twins yeah. now get the Astros, yeah. who, you know, are the world defending World Series champs. They're going to have Framber Valdez and then some question marks in the starting pitching. I think the Twins ought to have the advantage in a number of these games after game one um, in the terms of starting pitching. And we know what the back half of the Twins bullpen looks like and Ryan Presley um, Hector Neris, the back of the Astros bullpen is certainly not as potent, I think, as the 102 mile an hour throwing Yon Duran. So, you know, aside from that, right, you, we know the Astros offense and how good that that team is, right, with Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez. They're dangerous. They're dangerous in the playoffs. They've got Hall of Famers on the team. Like it's a, it's a really really good group. The Twins are going to have to to shut them down with their superior pitching. How do we see this one going uh, as, you know, they're not going to get the benefit of that Minnesota crowd for all three or all five games. They're going to have to only, you know, get that two games this time. Yeah, I think it, it, they have to come out and they have to, they have to beat Verlander or Valdez. And it really probably is going to have to come down to game two and beating Valdez because game one, it's going to be, they're not even starting Joe Ryan game one. They're starting Bailey Ober. Um, wow. The twins are so it's going to be Bailey over versus Furlander. Like they have to come out and try and and do, like that's going to be tough to do that one. And then game two, Framber at home is like untouchable. Like he's like super good at home. And mind you, you're going to have Pablo Lopez, but I mean, like you just mentioned, you just basically were naming them off. You're going to have Jose Altuve. You're going to have Jordan Alvarez. You're going to have Kyle Tucker. You're going to have Alex mm -hmm. Bregman. Yep. Like in Houston, like. That, that's a tough place to go in there as a road crowd in the playoffs. And Paulo Lopez is going to have to step up again. And you're going to have to try and muster what you can between Framber Valdez. Once you get to game three, when you're able to do, it's going to be Sunny Gray versus who knows at that point. May, like That's going to be in Minnesota. 
you have the advantage there. You might have Joe Ryan for game four, I guess, in Minnesota. Then you would probably want to start him at home. But you have to try and steal one of those the first time in Houston because you're not going to be able to come back to Houston in game five. And it's most likely going to be against Valdez again in game four because the way that the schedule lines up, you're going to basically be able to have your game one starter in game four and your game two starter in game five. Um, So you're going to have to face Verlander and Valdez twice in this series. Like that's really, really tough. And the way that that Astro offense um, can get up and get going, I I see the Twins having a hard time being able to keep shutting them down. Um, so I'm going with the Astros here. Uh, another interesting story that we're going to have is Carlos Correa back in Houston. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to be something too in a playoff series. So and mind you, I mean, who did we have step up for the Astros last year? Jeremy, Jeremy Pena. Pena. Hasn't hasn't done anything yet, or hasn't done much this season. Really, really struggled. We'll see if he can step up and be another postseason uh, hero again. But this Astros team, I just feel like the offense is really, really good. The top two in this rotation is really good, and it being a five game series where you can use those top two guys twice. That's why I think the Astros yeah. rotation concerns aren't nearly as for this series at least, aren't nearly as valid as everyone wants to play it up to be. Right. I think you laid out the path for for Minnesota, right? You need Royce, Correa, and maybe one other hitter to come out and just have a huge series, right? You just need to assume, okay, Correa... Correa's going to come out with a vengeance series and just have a put in a big one. You need Royce or somebody else to, to follow with him to protect him in the lineup so that Astros don't just start pitching around him. You've got to take one of the first two games in a, in Houston because if you can get back to Minnesota at one to one, I I think they could win this series in Minnesota. Just get win game three, win game four, done. But that is a huge ask of a Minnesota lineup that is simply overmatched by this this Houston lineup. It's just a much a big advantage in terms of the amount of of consistency and power shown by all the guys we mentioned. We didn't even get to Chas McCormick, who has 20 home runs playing center field this year for Houston. Um, you know, Michael Brantley's back, right? Like this is an experienced team that was almost all together last year with the exception of, I guess Verlander was there last year. So, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a team that was all together last year. They're, they're, they're all back, right? It's, it, it's with the addition of Jose Abreu, I guess, but like, you know, I, you know, ultimately, it's it's hard to pick against this Houston team. I will not, right? But I'll declare this as my jinx pick. I'm picking Houston because I'm hoping the Twins find a way, right? <laughs> I hope the Twins find a way, but I, I I just don't see a way to pick against this Houston team, right? I mean, this is a just a juggernaut of a team, and uh, you know they're a tough out in these playoffs. We've seen it years and years, right? They've made the World Series in 19, or in 17, 19, 21 and 23 or 22 right like four of the last six years yeah. houston's been in the world series can't pick against them uh, yeah you know if they lose i'm happy right but you can't pick against them so houston over the twins we'll say in five right let's say they they win two twins win two in, in minnesota houston wins their their final game in houston and that's that i've spent too much time betting and rooting against the astros to know better at this point <laughs> like it just in this series it just it just feels like a like that but um for what it is worth again matt did pick different of us and he went twins so he has a opposite al side of the bracket than we do uh we both went rangers astros for the uh the texas alcs and uh matt went with twins orioles uh for the american league so that'll be interesting to see how it plays out um so All right. So, okay. well, before we before we leave the AL behind, mm-hmm. if given your preference as an NL fan, right, mm-hmm. what do you want to happen? Not what do you think is going to happen. What is the the NL the ALCS matchup you want to see? Probably Orioles Twins. I think I'm that right probably, with you on that one. I think that would probably be that the one that Matt picked. I mean, that probably would yep. be my funnest. ALCS because I would have no rooting interest in that one. 
um, I would just be watching that for the fun of it. I think yeah. in both of these series, I kind of have a little bit of a rooting interest. Um, obviously, I want to see the Astros kind of lose. But then on the other one, on the other side, it's like the Orioles are super fun. The The Rangers have a lot of former Dodgers. So I kind of have that at heart, like Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. I mean, him solo, like single-handedly helping the 2020 World Series team. So, yeah, I think if the if you told me my my ideal funnest matchup would be Orioles Twins, probably. I think I'm right there with you. I, I want to see this Twins fan base, you know, get to where I can feel like they're the team of destiny. Yeah. Um, we always see weird stuff happen in the MLB, you know, playoffs. So, Never to know. me, this this Twins team with this opportunity is that team that could go to the world series on the strength of that starting pitching on the strength of Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis. And, you know, maybe they'll get Byron Buxton back this series. And, you know, they're very, they're a very exciting group. They can get better really, really fast. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we do, um, leave the American league, um, on Tuesday, October 10th. Um, so this next Tuesday coming up, we will be doing a watch along of the Baltimore at Texas game that starts at eight Eastern, five PM Pacific, um, on our YouTube channel. So, uh, if you guys want to hear our reactions to how the whole uh, slate of game ones have gone, and uh, or I guess it's game three, huh? It's game three. It is game um, three. Yeah. Uh, how are the first couple games of each series have gone, and then see how we react to game three going live uh we'll be doing that on our youtube channel at batfoot podcast uh so make sure to come check out and hang out with us on that night there's a non-zero chance we are crowning a an alcs participant yeah there is so uh now let's move over to the national league side let's go ahead and start with the arizona milwaukee series um and this one started off really good for Milwaukee. You know, you had Corbin Burns on the mound. You were facing uh, Brandon Fott. Um, you scored in the bottom of the first one run. You came back in the second. You scored two. Uh, Corbin Burns looked like he was was rolling. Uh, and then in the third inning, he gave up. Was it the one to, uh, he Corbin gave Carroll. to Corbin Carroll? He gave a homer to Cattell Marte. I believe yep. both. Uh, were those both of those? No, Corbin Carroll's was a two-run shot. Uh, Cattell's yep. was a solo uh, yep. kind of flipped the game on its head there. And then in the fourth inning, uh, Gabriel Moreno kind of did the the finishing shot right there and hit another solo homer off of Corbin Burns that I believe that was the, after that Burns got pulled and yep. it just, there was no energy left in Milwaukee at that point. I mean, they had fought out of the game already and they went to that. They have a really, really good bullpen. Arizona does. Um, and then just went to, to Mantiply Castro, Nelson, Ryan Thompson, up, you know, and even two thirds there, really, really strong. And then Kevin Ginkle, two, two innings, four strikeouts, just never even gave him a chance here. Um, and Arizona won that game six three. And then in, in game two, we had the the Zach Gallon game. Mm-hmm. Zach was, of course, good. You know, I was, I'm trying to look at it, but I mean, it, once he you know, had, it was a close um, game until the middle of the game, but Corbin Carroll again hit a double. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gallon, and Gallon Marte, had six in. innings. Gallon had six innings of two two earned runs. He wasn't really high on the strikeouts, only four strikeouts there. But uh, Peralta went five innings, four earned runs there. Didn't really live up to what they really kind of needed from him on that aspect. But um, it was really just this this Arizona offense. It was Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte. I mean, kind of yeah. just taking it over. Playing like superstars, man. I, Corbin Carroll, I, I tell you what, we're going to get to him a bunch when it comes to the rookie, you know, the awards episode where rookie of the year we're talking about and, you know, all that other, that other stuff, but man has, he's been every bit as advertised and then some, and he's still going and he's going to be the superstar leading this diamondbacks team into the Dodgers series. And, uh, you know, Homer, an, you know, a double to get into scoring position where he scores a run. He's a terror on the base pads. He plays good defense in left field. I mean, this is just a, this dude is just a superstar, man. It's crazy how good this guy's been and Kettle Marte has been really great, but I think you, you did touch on the thing that surprised me the most about this series. And that was this Arizona bullpen. They had Kevin Ginkle coming out. He was nasty. And Thompson was throwing 97, 98. They had some really, really good freaking bullpen pitchers out there, man. I was genuinely shocked because the, the Cubs played against Arizona. And we, of course, 
you know, saw the the the, pit, the starting pitching, right, with Brandon Fott, who just hasn't really lived up to that prospect of billing. Um, you know, the Zach Davies was on the rotation for a while, right? This was not a super impressive pitching team. But when we got to the playoffs, this bullpen has absolutely taken off. And I am fully confident that if these, these Diamondbacks can build a lead, this bullpen can shut down the Dodgers. Um, you know, the Brewers offense is not as good as the Dodgers, uh, and they were not up to snuff, I think, in this series. And, and what ended up happening for you guys who picked the Diamondbacks happened exactly, which was the Diamondbacks offense came out, showed out, got enough runs, and the, the pitching held off the, the Brewers offense. Um, and, you know, I did clear it the jinx pick, so I'm only going to clear the one jinx pick per round, obviously, but. You know, th- that that exactly happened. You guys were spot on. And, you know, ultimately, I'm not upset to see Milwaukee go home, but it was very clear that Arizona had the advantage in the pitching, which was not something I was expecting going into the series. Yeah, it was it was kind of head scratching. I mean, we you know, Burns isn't untouchable. Corbin Burns isn't. He, I'm fully aware. <laughs> um. And, you know, you kind of hoped that he was going to kind of live up to that, um, you know, the, the untouchable aspect. The Brewers kind of had to hope that he would, the way that the Diamondbacks set up the, their rotation, were really kind of conceding game one um, and setting themselves up for the way game two or three really uh, to have the benefit there, especially with Woodruff out. But, yeah, it just – the way that the Diamondbacks, which I've I've seen it firsthand um, – you know, being in the division, they are a really good team. They, you know, and it's kind of leaking over into what we'll talk about here with their upcoming series in LA. Um, you know, to start off this season, they were extremely, extremely hot. They took five of, I think it was what, one, three, four, five of the first eight games from the Dodgers this year. Um, and some of those were just really, really blowout games like they were just unbelievable they faced them later in the year and they were still kind of scrappy but they kind of wore down a little bit this this diamondbacks team right now that came out here and played this wild card series didn't look like a team that wore down this looked like the team that you saw at the beginning of the year um they they look like they could be absolutely electric they could be the phillies of last year um the team that just kind of surprises people goes into the wild card round and then, you know, we're seeing them into the next series and people are like, oh, well, like last year, nobody thought the the Phillies were going to beat the Braves. And it's like, well, they did, you know, and it's it's just this feels kind of like that. Yeah, that's why, you know, as a Dodger fan, I'm not going to say that they're over that, that this is a series by any means that the Dodgers are going to blow them away. And I don't feel like that. We saw this team last year overlook the Padres, a division team that they had beat up on and lose in the NLDS last year. Um, and now you get kind of the same scenario, just a different team. And this team showed the ability to do that. I, man, it's going to be a tough series. I still think eventually I'm going to lean with LA. Maybe that's my homerism there. Um, but I just feel like with the offense and the bullpen that LA has, even with the starting question or starting pitching question marks that they have there. Um, but this is going to be a really, really tough dogfight series. I feel like. Yeah. You know, this is a, tr- a tested Do- uh, Diamondbacks team, right? And they're going up against a Dodgers team that is not a full song. You know, this is a Dodgers team that's lost Julio Urias to, uh, you know, suspension, essentially. They've lost, uh, you know, a bunch of other starting pitchers. I'll let you name them because they're not coming to my head for some reason. This is a team that's going to be starting Lance Lynn in a playoff series, probably, right? So maybe, it, maybe, right? It, it, and they'll probably be piggybacking him with Ryan Yarbrough. Um, you know, I think what you said, Kershaw is going game one. Bobby Miller's going game two. Yeah. You know, game and, three. And, game three. It sounds like it's either going to be Lynn or Pepio. Yeah. This is not the this is not the Dodgers of old, right? This is a Dodgers team that's having to scrounge and claw their way, um, which in turn maybe it gives me a little extra confidence in the Dodgers because they're they're not they're not out here expecting it, right? This is a team that knows they they know their, their starting rotation is, is kind of torn to shreds to this point. And they don't really have any stability there. Kershaw hasn't really been himself in months at this point, you know, and they're sending a rookie out there in game two. Right. So um, I, I guess I'm not, 
I'm thinking it's the opposite kind of thing of last year, right? Last year, you could see a 100-win team being a little overconfident, and we saw both the Dodgers and the Braves lose in the NLDS last year. But for this series, both they have that experience from last year, and they have, you know, the understanding that they're going to have to rise up. Not to mention, I think this Dodgers bullpen is on the same level ground as the Diamondbacks bullpen, right? With with Evan Phillips and with, you know, just the amount of, of really good work that a lot of those guys are able to do. Um, you know, Shelby Miller's been good, which is hilarious uh, coming out of the bullpen. But, you know, you got Blake Trinan back there. I, I don't know if he's hurt. He probably is. Yeah, Trinan's, Trinan's not going to be there for the playoffs. Yeah, but uh, the, I know the Dodgers bullpen has been one of the best bullpens in in baseball this season and they've done it with some kind of lesser known guys. So, you know, ultimately I think the Dodgers also have the the superstar advantage with, with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, right? You've got guys who are going to be on base all series long. Right. And, and in a two, in a, you know, the, the set that we just saw the Diamondbacks win, I could maybe understand picking the Diamondbacks, but because this is a longer series of, of five games, and and the Dodgers are going to have home field advantage. I just have a very difficult time seeing this Diamondbacks team taking down the Dodgers. So I'll pick the Dodgers, but that's not a super confident pick. It's just, I feel like it's the Dodgers, right? They're not going to lose in the DS two years in a row. That's kind of my entire philosophy behind this. I think everything you said is kind of valid because this Diamondbacks team looks like a team that could really sneak in and, and be the Phillies of last year, be the Padres of last year. But yeah, you know, the, we'll the thing, the difference, like you did mention, the difference with this Dodgers team this year is they're not the overpowering juggernaut that you think. They yeah. are a very scrappy team. They are a team that um, they don't, oddly enough, they don't rely on the homer as much as they were previously. Um, they've they've kind of been able to adapt to more of balls in play here. But the pitching staff is really where the question is going to come down to. Um, you know, Dave Roberts pretty much said that he'll be surprised if any of his starters give him five innings in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like this is very much going to be a pitching staff rather than a rotation in a bullpen. Um, you're going to see guys like Emmett Sheehan, Ryan Pepio, um, you know, maybe even Michael Grove, Yarborough that are going to be like three inning guys out of the bullpen. Like you're going to see guys go three innings yep. and then those three out. And then you get to your Joe Kelly's, you know, um, Evan Phillips, maybe Yancy Almonte. I don't know if he'll be back or not. Bruce Dar, Bruce Dar, Shelby Miller, like that. You'll get to that group of guys um, a lot more often than you're going to normally. So it's going to be a scrappy one. Um, and this this Diamondbacks team could absolutely absolutely turn on if, if it's the Diamondbacks team that showed up against the Brewers. Um, but all three of us are picking the Dodgers in this series. So uh, the uh, we're obviously going to have that jinx of when everyone on the graphic has one team and then the other team wins and then people laugh at us. So of that's going to happen. I, it's one of those, I did finally get the statistics that I wanted to pull up of the Dodger bullpen. Bruce Dargraderall, 120 ERA. Evan Phillips, 2.05 ERA. Ryan Brazier, 0.70 ERA, uh, and Shelby Miller, 1.71 ERA. So the back end of that bullpen has been very good this year. Mm -hmm. I I do believe that they'll have the advantage over the Diamondbacks, and I just spent half the thing ramping up the Diamondbacks bullpen. It was better than I thought. The Dodgers bullpen is even better than I thought too, right? So I, I think, you know, it's if, if 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 indeed it comes down to these three inning set guys, I think the Dodgers may kind of almost create a, a new opportunity uh, for major league teams to kind of go, well, we can have, you know, 13 pitchers. Let's just have 13 guys who can go three innings. And then, you know, that way we'll just, you know, throw two of them in each game and we'll always have somebody fresh. We'll never be going through the order twice. It might work. Yeah, so just to just to bounce that off that, um, Brewstar hasn't given up a earned run since like July twenty fourth. Um, Evan Phillips since the beginning of August has given up a full total of four earned runs, and Ryan Brazier in has one earned run since July fourth. Yeah, um, that's that's what they're looking there. It, it's how do you get to those guys? That's going to be the real question mark there. And if it's a if it's a close game late in it, 
you got to favor the Dodgers, but it's if they're going to jump in early. That's where the Diamondbacks have to do it. They have to do it early. Yep. Gotcha. Um, there. So uh, let's jump over to the other series, which is going to be another one of the fun series, a rematch of last year's NLDS. And that is the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, I guess we didn't even talk about the Phillies um, beating the Marlins, but that was just a slaughter is what it really was. <laughs> oh my so goodness. Maybe that's why I forgot about it. Um, Phillies just won four, one in the first game. And then in the second game, it was just, it was pure domination by the Phillies seven runs. Um, Miami never felt like they had a chance in this series from the moment that the first pitch happened. Um, I guess that's kind of why I just blew over it, but um, go ahead and give us a little bit of thoughts on the recap of that one, David. Yeah. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were dominant in those two starts. Uh, Marlins were helpless and Bryson Stott hit a grand slam in game two. Philly was rocking uh, for that one. Alec Bohm hit a double in game one. Uh, This was just a series that didn't even feel, it felt like a formality. You know, we, our whole entire group picked the Phillies to beat the Marlins. And, you know, we saw a team that it looked like a team that was at a negative 50 run differential, which is what they were. Right. Um, You know, the Marlins got in because other teams collapsed and they, you know, they're quickly erased. Um, Ultimately, I I think this just goes to, to give the Phillies some momentum. And if anything, it's gonna it's gonna scare the Braves. Uh, that this Phillies team is gonna be coming in with uh, some some confidence and some some swag, as it were. Right? They're got they're gonna have, you know, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, all these guys. You know, with their, you know, really good playoff performances in the past. Castellanos is already getting a you know a bunch of hits. He was one of the heroes in Game One, along with Bohm. Uh, you know, I really like this Phillies team going in. And I've, we've seen them beat the Braves, but this is a different Braves team. This is a Braves team with, you know, the new rule changes with Ronald Acuna going 40-70 and, you know, Matt Olson having a 50 home run season. They they are operating at peak performance and they've, they've felt like the World Series favorite since about mid-May. So... I mean, I'll be shocked if they aren't able to dispatch the Phillies, but if they are going to struggle with the Phillies, then, I mean, the, the Phillies are like, a, they are the team of destiny that we talked about, right? Like the the Braves have felt like a, a foregone conclusion to be the guy, the team that gets through the NL for a while, at least from my perspective, you know, looking in as well, the Dodgers are having this, these starting pitching issues and, you know, there's not really anybody else in the NL that's kind of all that dominant. but. You know, th- this is the series that that could be a big time danger for this Braves team. That said, they're sending Spencer Strider well rested game one. They're spend they're sending Max Freed well rested in game two. Big time advantages that that the Phillies won't be able to send their aces because they just pitched. You know, until I think two and three game two and three will go Wheeler and Nola. So, you know, in this game, this will be in Atlanta. You know, obviously Atlanta won the World Series a couple of years ago, but this is uh this is an even better team i think than that team was yeah this series is going to be um this is going to be a high intensity series um mm-hmm. between both of these crowds i mean atlanta and philly i mean two electric playoff atmospheres um rivals uh, rivals too right i mean yeah rivals from the from the same division it's really going to come down to what game 1 looks like um you're going to have Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez and you need Strider to have like a typical Strider start, strike out a bunch of people. And really you need them to kind of take Philly out of it beforehand. Um, I, if Philly's able to steal game one, like this flips it on its head because I feel like you do have the advantage in game two and game three, just because Max Fried's been dealing with the blister. He was on the IL. He didn't finish the year. You're, I, I mean, he's good. You're not sure how like built up he's going to be. Wheeler, he he thrives in these playoff atmospheres. And then if you get to Game Three, or, or when you get to Game Three, it's going to be Aaron Nola versus who? Like we aren't yeah. we aren't sure. Like is it Bryce Elder right now who's been getting hit around? I mean, they're not going to have Charlie Morton. Um, it's just I mean, you're looking at 
Bryce Elders, AJ Smith Shaver, Dylan Dodd. I mean, like it's most likely going to be Elder. It. I just have a lot of questions about the back half of that rotation there. Um, if you're able to steal game one and two, I or you know game one especially, um, I feel like Philly has a good chance. It's going to be electric. Um, I I'm leaning towards the Phillies just because if there's one team that usually gives the Braves trouble, it's the Phillies here. Um, and if they know a weakness for Atlanta, it's Philly. Um, so maybe I'm I'm counting on what they did last year, but I do know this is a different Braves team. This Braves team's really good. I mean, the offensive marks they've set as a team this year, it's been incredible. Ronald Acuna Jr., you're going to have uh, Matt Olson right there. Ozzie Albies has been great this year too. Austin Riley, you know, Sean Murphy's kind of slowed down, but I mean, I think everyone you say there, you just, you, you can kind of look at the Phillies and almost say like, okay, well you get postseason Kyle Schwarber, you're getting postseason Bryce Harper, you're getting Trey Turner, who has been like the hottest baseball player the last like two and a half months. Like you get Nick Castellanos, who's always really good in this and turned into like prime like gold glove defensive Castellanos last off or uh, last postseason against the Braves here. Like Bryson Stotts came up huge. JT Romuto, like, man, I, yep. this is going to be such a fun series here. Yeah. Star studded teams but, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to be the one, uh, the one dummy of the Batful podcast here. And I'm picking the Phillies over the Braves, uh, the series. So yeah. Let's I like it. No, I like it. I, I think it's a, a matter of, it's a matter of the the Phillies finding a way to win one of the sh- the Strider or Freed games, and I guess I'm also considering Freed as you know I think he's well rested. I don't think they'd be throwing him if they were worried about that blister. And even if the Braves do lose game three, we mentioned that the Ace can go game four and the two can go game five. So yeah. you're getting two games of Strider and Freed. Morton might be back for the next series. I, you know I'm I'm okay with staking my claim to if I'm the Braves staking my claim to the DS on two games of Spencer Strider, right? Unless they get swept, you're getting two games of Spencer Strider. And I feel good about that. So, you know, this is the guy who he had the more strikeouts than anybody in baseball um, this season, you know, with 281 this season. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to be on board that train and uh, you know, I we'll see what, (laughs) we'll see what happens with regards to this, this atmosphere because I think it's gonna be really fun. I am gonna pick the Braves, uh, mostly because I wanna. I think I'm really ex- kind of excited for that Braves Dodgers NLCS that we've kind of we haven't gotten since 20. Did we get it in 2021. I think we did. Yeah, 2021 did. Yeah, so that's always a good series. Um, but you know, I think the the it's very valid to give the Phillies and really the Diamondbacks uh, opportunities to get into this this championship series because. You know, those are two scrappy teams that are going to, you know, take it all to these these kind of juggernaut teams that have been here, you know, just about every year. Um, but again, I, I think the Braves are going to have learned something from last season and, uh, you know, they've gone out and made that team better. So I, I do trust that they'll, you know, even if they do struggle in the pitching department, this is a team that never gives up. They're able to make comebacks. The offense is relentless. It's going to score a lot of runs, even off of Wheeler and Nola. You know, I, I, I just I have a very difficult time picking against one of the best offenses that's ever played, you know, a season of baseball. Yeah, it's hard, especially with the question marks in the Philly bullpen. Um, but we'll see. So uh, you guys picking the Braves versus Dodgers. I'm picking Phillies versus Dodgers. Um, we did this with the American League real quick. So let's do it with the National League. What would be your funnest? Uh, AL or NLCS matchup. Well, I think the Phillies ha- would have to be in the fun, the fun NLCS. So I think it would have to be Phillies Diamondbacks, right? But ultimately, I I do think that Braves Dodgers matchup of the kind of the titans of the National League. That's one that I think is going to be really fun. Um, but again. Like I've I've felt very strongly that this Braves team is the the team to beat. So it, if a, the team to beat goes down and it opens up the floor, I think that would make the Phillies Diamondback series the most fun. So I'm going to sit on that as the most fun series where you've got that big Philadelphia crowd, you've got that Arizona crowd hungry for a for a competitive team. Um, but 
yeah, the, the those are my two, I think, fun groups. But yeah, we'll, we'll go Phillies Diamondbacks. What about you? Well, I mean, I have complete homerism here, but of um, course, Do- Dodgers Braves. Um, just because we've seen it, twice. I mean, we've seen it so many times. I mean, the 2020 year and then 2021, they kind of got it back. It's like you kind of want the, the trifecta. You want you want the, the, the tiebreaker kind of. Um, I mean, they're and both. I mean, the the uh, the Braves team is just so so electric. And then this is such a different kind of Dodgers team than what we're used to seeing. Um, I would wonder how they would match up. It feels like it'd be like overpowering from the Braves and the Dodgers would have to kind of find the way to scrap it through. Um, but that would be, I, that would probably be my funnest. Um, I have bad memories against both of these teams in the playoffs as the mm-hmm. Dodger man. Uh, the 07, 08 Phillies teams like ruined my childhood for a little bit of time there. And then, well, don't worry. The 08 um, Dodgers ruined mine. It's fine. <clears throat> yeah, so we're just ruining each other's, but uh, yeah, I would say if I had to pick one, it would probably just be the the Braves Dodgers, just because you kind of want to see the uh, the the tiebreaker match from from yeah. twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, right? Because so. yeah, I mean yeah, it's one one really, uh, yeah. but I do also have you know memories of Craig Kimbrell standing out in the bullpen watching the Braves give it up to the Dodgers, and I think that was twenty seventeen, so. It might have been earlier than that, actually. I think it was earlier than that because I think he had Juan Uribe still. So it would was been... that was that fifteen? Maybe, maybe, yeah. But you um, know, that was a DS. They, they've played yeah. a lot in the playoffs. Is is my point? They they have. Um, but but of the recent memory, I mean, you're talking about the you know 2020 that big old series there, and then 2021 they you know they got us back, and then also what would like a a playoff series look like with Freddie Freeman now and Dodger Blue? Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, this, it would be Freddie Freeman's, you know, revenge series. When we talked about that with Correa, uh, we talked, who, who was the other one? Uh, Berrios. Yeah. So, you know, there's. Anyways, so that's our predictions, wildcard recap predictions for the DS. Um, so anything, I mean, we're going to be talking to them on Tuesday. So anything looking up to, uh, the live stream here and, and kind of what you're looking for in these first two or three games. No, I, I'm really excited that we get to do an Orioles Rangers game. I think that was my, that was the series, you know, that I was most excited about. I think that's a perfect one. It's unfortunate. We won't get the Grayson start, but I think we're getting Eovaldi, right? So, um, you know, that'll be good. And, yeah, it's exciting. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens then. As far as, stuff i'm looking forward to you know we talked about it right it's a lot of the the teams with buys are they going to be sluggish because they weren't uh playing are the teams that played in this wild card series a little more up to snuff because they you know are, are continuing on um you know more more in rhythm we'll see i don't know if there's really a, a difference in that but remember last year right both nl favorites went down uh in the first series so uh to the team that played in the wild card series so I, I let's see, right? But uh, I do tend to think that buys are more useful, right? Rest, rested players are going to perform better. I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to that one until I die. But other yeah. than that, I, yeah, let's let's get to Tuesday. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, National League Division Series and and AL, it's a division series. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I think you've seen teams the the teams on buy. They've been doing um like inner squad games, which they didn't do the last couple of years. So I think they're starting to kind of see a trend of maybe that, that week long layoff is a little bit hurtful. Um, so they're, they're doing something to help combat that a little bit. Um, so we'll see. It's, it is going to be interesting. I am excited that we get to do a Texas Baltimore game. Um, and like I said, that one will be at uh, 5 PM Pacific, 8 PM Eastern time, October 10th, uh, live on YouTube at Batflip podcast. Uh, we will probably be going live right around four forty-five, five-ish. Um, I'm saying that Pacific time because that's where I'm at. But do do the math to yourself, people. Um, <laughs> just be on the lookout, and uh, we'll catch you guys there. And uh, have fun uh, watching the the first two or three games of each of your series. And we'll see you guys on Tuesday. <laughs>